0: Well, good morning, it's my privilege to welcome you to Central this morning where we seek transformation through the renewing work of the Lord Jesus Christ. This winter we are studying the life of David and we're asking the question, how does God give us a heart for himself? What are the things that the Lord does in the life of a disciple to grow us toward him? And what we're going to see this morning is sometimes he grows us by giving confidence in the face of fear. There was a lot to be afraid of in 1 Samuel 17, our text for this morning. The Philistines, the long-standing enemies of God's people, were bearing down on them in Bethlehem. And if they won in Bethlehem, they would have a short march to Jerusalem where the whole nation would fall. So King Saul marched his army out to meet them in the valley of Elah. And the Philistine army was camped on one side of the valley and the army of Israel on the opposite ridge. And in the valley in between stood Goliath. He was a giant between seven and a half and nine feet tall, the Bible tells us. He was a mighty warrior determined to destroy God's people. And so Saul looked around to find who's the warrior on our side. Who can go out and meet Goliath in that valley? And as he looked, no one was found. No one was strong enough for Goliath. Until David came, Jesse's youngest son. We studied last week and saw he was the runt, as his father called him. He was just an errand boy. David was running food and drink back and forth to the battlefield and heard Goliath taunt the army of Israel and even taunting Israel's God. He's, he's unable to save you, Goliath thundered. He will bow before my gods, he spewed. And on one of those trips, David, the secretly anointed king, the shepherd boy with a heart for God, had heard enough and he spoke. Where does confidence like that come from? Confidence to stand for the Lord, confidence to walk with the Lord. Let's pray with that question in our hearts. Oh Lord, with the meditation of all of our hearts and the words of my mouth be pleasing in your sight. Open our eyes that we would see Jesus, our warrior. In Christ's name, amen. First Samuel 17, we'll pick up the story in verse 26. And David said to the men who stood by him, what shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him in the same way, the king's favor, so shall it be done to the man who kills him. Now Eliab The eldest brother heard when he spoke to the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, why have you come down? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your presumption and the evil of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. And David said, as only a younger brother can say, what have I done now? Was it not but a word, or as the NIV translates it, can't I even talk? And he turned away from him toward another and spoke in the same way. And the people answered him again as before. When the words that David spoke were heard, they repeated them before Saul. And he sent for him. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, you're not able to go out against this Philistine and fight, for him, fight with him, for you are but a youth. And this man has been a man of war since his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them." for he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. Skip down to verse 43. And the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come out to me with sticks? And And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone and slung it and struck the Philistine on his forehead. The stone stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the ground. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Where do you lack confidence this morning? What circumstance or situation in your life springs fear within your heart and you lack confidence to meet it? There's a couple that Missy and I know, Frank and Barbara. We stayed at their house when we were waiting for Emma's adoption to finalize. And they are now with Jesus, but they taught us some really important lessons Frank and Barbara saw God do huge things in their lives. This is Frank and Barbara Barker, who planted Briarwood Presbyterian Church in Birmingham. They saw God do great things, but like most of us, sometimes they despaired that God would help in the small things. Frank told me a story when we were staying with them that I won't ever forget. At the time when he's told the story, they had two young children. They were planting this church in Briarwood. It was the early days. And as young parents with two kids do, they were playing man-to-man defense. You know how that goes. One parent has an eye on one kid and the other parent has an eye on the other kid and they can just, just barely manage. And then Barbara learned she was pregnant with their third and she became distraught. Frank said that he was excited and exuberant and thought that telling her all about how excited he was would really encourage her and comfort her but it didn't. Barbara confided in him, Frank, I can't do this. I'm already exhausted. We are as busy as we can ever be planting this church. I don't know where the energy is going to come from. I don't know what we're going to do. We can't do this. Have you ever been in that place? When you look at the resources you have and they don't match the problem in front of you, and you think, I can't do this. Whenever you find yourself in that spot, The Lord has you in heart school. He's about to teach you something incredibly important. So Frank, in his lovely homespun way, said to Barbara, Barbara, when we had two babies, God had to give us two babies worth of grace. He met our need, and now that we're gonna have three, God's just gonna have to give us three baby grace. It's simple, but it's profound. Whether it's a large need or a small, big grace or small grace, God is the grace multiplier. He's the resource multiplier. He pours grace out of grace. He pours power and help and defense. What we need, when we need it. Sometimes it feels like it's even past time when we need it, when the Lord shows up to deliver. But this is the truth. Our confidence is not in our resources. Our confidences can't be placed in what we have but in the Lord who gives, the Lord who fights for his people. The Lord will shape your heart to live as a disciple in confidence as you see him pour out what you need when you need it. Three simple points for us this morning. The first one is this, a faltering faith believes that confidence comes from our own resources. It's a faltering and failing faith that believes I have what it takes to make it. And the verses just before where we picked up on our story in verse 24, the army of Israel stood on this ridgeline and they looked down upon Goliath and they were all terribly afraid. And so Saul made a deal in verse 25. He said, any man willing to risk his life and defeat Goliath, which meant it would save Israel from sure destruction. Anyone who can defeat Goliath, Saul the king would make him rich and he would make him his son-in-law. I'll give you a daughter of mine to marry. Wealth and in my family, who's willing to fight? And no one spoke up. Saul looked around and there was no one qualified. There wasn't a commander strong enough. There wasn't a governor powerful enough. There was no champion. There were no resources to get them out of this mess. He even rebuffed David when David came because he said, you're not experienced enough and you're not well enough equipped. Looked at all these things and said, we don't have what it takes to survive. But do you notice who's missing? As David, as Saul adds up all of his resources, who's missing? It's the Lord. The Lord who had promised, who had covenanted to provide for his people in Saul's math, in Saul's calculation, not even God was enough. Saul thought he was all on his own and dependent on the the resources they can see with their eyes and it made him panic. The truth is that Saul was living as a practical atheist while giving lip service to the Lord. A practical atheist is someone who can talk a lot about God and yet practically believes that there's not a God there to deliver. God doesn't have interest or maybe he's not even there to intervene on my behalf. It's all up to me. It's up to the resources I have, what I can see with my eyes and and produce with my hands. That's the life of a practical atheist, no matter how well we talk. But the reality is that if that's true, that there is no God to intervene, that if we're left to tackle this great big world, left to our own wisdom and righteousness and power, then we should be afraid. Because every day, every week, you and I are going to face innumerable challenges that are beyond us. That when truth be told, we can't meet them. Whether it's temptation in the bedroom, or whether it's hubris in the boardroom, or whether it's fear in the classroom. We're all going to face something that we don't know what to do because we can't see our way through it. So what do we do? It's a common saying That doesn't mean it's true. Some people even think it appears in the Bible, but it doesn't. Here's the word. God will never give you anything more than you can handle. You ever heard people say that before? It's not in the Bible and it's not true. It's a lie. Because God routinely gives you more than you can handle. He calls us to serve him in ways that outpace our capacity to follow him all the time. The truth is that God will never give you more than he can handle in you and through you. God will never leave you on your own. God will never give you more than he he is able to match by providing for you. So what do you fear? What are your fears today? Is it it a physical problem? Is it some illness? Is it some circumstance in your life? Maybe it's something more interior like that shame and nagging feeling I'll never measure up. Do I have what it takes? Friends, fear and practical atheism can become a prison for your soul. Do you live there today? You don't have to. If you trust in the Lord, the one who is called Emmanuel, God with us, the gospel tells us we are never left to ourselves. The God who showed up in the valley of Elah is the God who took on flesh and entered the battlefield of this world to save you and me from all of our sin. He was crucified for us. He was raised from the dead in victory, ascended to the throne, and now rules over all. And from there he sent the Spirit. The Holy Spirit poured into your life to indwell you, to empower you that God with you has become God within you as the Spirit dwells to give us power. Friends, it's a faltering faith that puts confidence in what I have to provide for myself. But it is a thriving faith, a thriving faith that grows confident in God's resources. Because when we trust in God's resources, we receive his power in the midst of our own weakness. Faltering faith trusts self. A thriving faith trusts God. What did the leaders around on that ridge line think that their real weakness was? If you look at verse 28, you see Eliab, David's oldest brother, suggested that maybe the problem was distraction. So he was upset with David coming back and forth, thinking, David, all you're doing is hanging around here, you're a pain in the neck, you're distracting us from what's really important. Weakness would be distraction in Eliab's mind. In Saul's mind, the weakness was, it was a lack of experience. Nobody was, well, I was I experienced enough in warfare to defeat Goliath, or maybe it was even equipment. Equipment. The armor that they had, no one was able to bear it and and protect themselves from Goliath. And even David, who they put it on, it, it wouldn't fit him. It's a lack of experience, a lack of equipment. Goliath even got in on naming the weakness. In verse 42, he compares David to a weakling. He says, you are a young kid who's far too handsome for battle. You don't belong here. But David put his finger on the real weakness, the real problem, which was a spiritual problem. It was the lack of faith in the Lord who had promised to provide. And so David reminded them all of God's promise. Look at verse 26. It may sound strange to our ears. He says, for who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? That's not just big talk. He's reminding God's people of the promise that God has bound himself by covenant to his people. That's why he talks about this Philistine, our enemy, he's uncircumcised. You might remember that circumcision was was a bodily sign that all the males in Israel would receive upon themselves as a sign that I don't belong to myself. I belong to the living God. We as a people don't belong to ourselves. And it's so easy to forget we're going to mark our bodies by that sign that remind us of the promise of God. God, you fight for us. God, you've bound yourself to us. We don't belong to ourselves anymore, but we belong to you. That's what David reminded them all. That enemy of God is uncircumcised. He has no claim on the armies of heaven, but we do. And then he reminded them that our God is the living God. He's alive, he's powerful, he's at work. The enemy in front of us is not just Saul's enemy, they are God's enemy. And here's the question for you and for me Do we believe that? Do we believe that our God is interested in fighting for us as his covenanted people? A people who have been bought by the blood sacrifice of the Lamb of God slain for us. Do we believe that that God who's bound himself to us is interested in protecting us or not? Do we believe he's alive or not? All Saul could see was fear and defeat. But David knew the all-powerful God who had bound himself to his people. And by David's math, by David's calculation, with God on our side, it's added up to infinite power at work to save us as his people. Do we believe it or not? Where does confidence in God's resources come from? Look at verse 45. But David said to Goliath, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. And then down in verse 47, that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves, not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hand. David's faith to fight this fear didn't reside in himself. He didn't have faith in his own power, in his own resources, his own strength. The faith was placed in the Lord, the one who was able to deliver, the one who was strong. And the victory didn't belong to David either. It belonged to God. Because in reality, it's God who fights for his people to save us. Sometimes, friends, the Lord's going to put us in a place like this. He puts us into a place that feels like we're all surrounded by our deep weakness. And he puts us in those places so that we remember his power that's set on display. When you feel like you're surrounded by your weakness, remember that God is there with you. And it's in that place of struggle and weakness and even fear that God's incredible power can be set on display. Nobody would have thought that David the runt could slay Goliath. But David knew the secret that God's word tells you and me today that we aren't alone. Our God fights for us. He does so with a magnificent miracle working power. He works, that Lord God works through this boy who was counted as a runt to save his people and he works in you and me. That same Lord took on flesh and entered not only the battlefield in David's life, but he has taken on flesh to enter your world here today, your life, your soul, so that he might fight for us, his people. He took on flesh that he would win the battle against your sin and death and the devil. That God will never leave you alone. When you're in that fearful place, And you're in the throes of battle. How are we going to remember that? What do we tell ourselves? How do we speak to the fears of our hearts and our lives? Well, look at verse 37. David said, He delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, and he will deliver me again. He's delivered me before, and he will deliver me again. A faith that grabs hold of the Lord's power in the present is nurtured by remembering his work in the past. If you feel like you're in the middle of weakness right now, remember God's work in your past and have it crash into your present right now. This is what that sounds like for you and for me today. Lord, I remember being caught in this thing and you delivered me. I remember being trapped by this person. I remember this circumstance that was just terrible. I couldn't see any way out. Lord, I remember how you did this and this and this to deliver me then. And if you did it then, I know that you can deliver me now. God, I remember that you've delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear. And I know that you can deliver me right now. See, the Lord grows a heart in us for himself He takes hold of our fears and gives us confidence in Him to face them. In fact, that's what courage really is. Courage is being afraid and stepping into the battle anyway when you know the Lord is at your side. Dan Allender, counselor and theologian, says that it takes a big fear to drive out a little fear. Fear. It takes a bigger fear like a fear of the Lord that what the Bible describes that fall on your face awe at his power and his majesty and his magnificence. It draws you in to trust him. It's that fall on your face awe in the, in the presence of God that will drive out smaller fears from your heart. It's remembering the big, incredible, awesome power of God in your life that will drive out the fear of circumstances or the fear of other people. The question is, which fear is biggest in our heart? Do we have a large-hearted God filled with power that we reverence within our hearts, or does something else seem just a little bit bigger than God? If you've trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ for your life, if you've given your life to him if you've repented of your sin and asked the Lord Jesus to save you the truth is that you never walk into any fearful situation all by yourself never again you will never at any time under any circumstance face any power against you all alone you will never encounter a battlefield outside of the Lord's control and the Lord's authority You will never face any entrenched sin in your own life and you have to fight it in your own willpower. Never again. You are never left to the limits of your own wisdom and power and authority because the battle for your life and your soul, for your holiness, and even for your eternal security belongs to the Lord. Let that fear of God, that respect of God's great power drive out all those smaller fears from your heart. Because our powerful God is Emmanuel. He is God who's called himself God with us. And he's still at work in your heart and in your life right now. We have to remember when we read a story like David and Goliath to read the Bible in the right way. The way the Bible itself tells us to read it. Ultimately, the battle for the Lord to save his people wasn't fought and won at the Valley of Elah. It wasn't fought through this boy, David, the runt who became the champion. But David here was just a signpost to point us to the greater David, to the one the Bible calls the son of David, the Lord Jesus, who didn't sling a rock at the enemy and cast him down like this David did, but the Lord Jesus, the son of David, the greater David instead spread his arms wide as wide as to be nailed to a cross that he might be cast down in condemnation for all of our sin, for all of our guilt, all of our shame, all of our death, even the devil himself. He has proclaimed victory over them all. That Lord Jesus has conquered and we receive his blessings. That God who conquered still fights for you now by the power of the indwelling spirit of God, he will never leave you and he will never forsake you. The Lord saves, David says in verse 47, not with sword or spear. The Lord saves with blood. The Lord saves with his own blood shed for us to give victory over sin and evil, and injustice, and yes, even the own, our own fears of our heart. The enemy that could destroy you has been struck down by this greater David, God taking on flesh, the Lord Jesus. It's by his work that we can live. Maybe you're here this morning, and in your life, you feel like you're overwhelmed and outmatched, and you wonder, where's confidence going to come from? you're afraid and you need grace and you wonder where's the grace going to come from where's the power going to come from to sustain me in this illness sustain me in these troubles to sustain me in my life where's it going to come from you might not know you might not know what to do but you do know the Jesus who shows up to fight for his people That's that simple yet profound lesson that Frank and Barbara taught me all those years ago. The bigger the problem, the bigger the Lord's provision for you. Because that champion, that king, that tender savior will never fail to show up, to redeem, to forgive, to restore, to heal, and ultimately to get you safely home with him. Do you want a heart for God? Ask him to grab hold of your fears and give you confidence in him, alive and at work in you, just as he promised he would be. Let's pray. Lord, we are thankful for this lesson of David and Goliath. We're thankful because we feel like we face all kinds of Goliaths in our lives and we are powerless against them. And yet, Lord, our confidence is not in us. Not in our power to defeat all the hard things in our lives. Our confidence is in you. Primarily because you have already defeated the most potent enemy of our sin and death and the devil himself. And so, Lord, we ask that you would continue to show up in our lives right now, fighting for us, proclaiming victory over our sin, enabling us to walk with you as disciples. Would you grow hearts for yourself that are confident In your power. Do it in us, we pray, so that all this assembly and all this world will know there is a God who is alive at Central Presbyterian Church, and he's given himself for his people. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.